Hit it. Tune into the manifesto hosted by Emily Wheaton, Logan Cook, and Logan Bishop. The Political Science Society's new radio cast. Catch us on local 107.3 FM and wherever you find podcasts. Boom. Welcome to the manifesto. I'm your host, Logan. Today, my guest is Mel Norn, former mayor of St. John. Hi, Mel. Hey, Logan. How are you today? Just great. It's uh spring finally so that is a that is a welcome a welcome sign in the maritimes it always is i'm happy i'm happy to see the snow gone yeah um so i want to start talking about your successful bid for mayor in uh, st john in 2012. you beat the incumbent ivan court by 60 points can you talk about the campaign you ran on and how you beat the incumbent mayor by such a landslide merge well, I think probably it's important to um, think back a little bit, and and for for many listeners, this would probably seem like ancient history. But at um, at that time in St. John, we were really dealing with um, a couple of major challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, we were dealing with a, a crisis around our pension system, and and the pension system had been predicted to collapse if it was not funded properly. Okay. That was a real, a real um, source of concern, both for current city employees who do everything from collect garbage to fight fires. And um, as not if perhaps even more importantly to the retirees. So generations of former city workers, um, and their families who were continuing to rely on pension plans and pension payments, there was a risk that the pension plan would fail. In fact, we had a meeting with the superintendent of pensions for the province, and she indicated that our plan was going to fail and it would it would go bankrupt. So that was that was one of the contacts. And the other context for for that election um, was in relation to our drinking water system in St. John, and. At the time, there had been, I suppose, reluctance to proceed with constructing a new drinking water system using um, a public-private partnership, which was the only model that um, was viable for mm-hmm. doing the amount of work that we needed to do. And and it was probably um, probably you know, timing in politics is, is a lot of, a lot of things, but, um, it was a time of change. There was, um, there was a time, it was a time of uh, change, um, in how people were communicating. As I recall, our uh, mayoral election was the first campaign that I was aware of that used social media. And so I was, um, I was using Twitter and, and Facebook and, we had a Twitter logo on our signs and people had no idea what that meant. <laughs> um, so it was, it was because it was very new. It had only been around, you know, since 2007 and it was really just sort of making its way into the political, political realm. Mm-hmm. 
and um, and and that that uh, that change that was in the air around around um, both the, the major issues and really looking for more positive, um, I I suppose um, outlook for the city, and so we had a tremendous campaign team. I mean. Uh, the candidate is a very tiny part of the uh, the process. It's it's the campaign team that that does the work, and so we had a tremendous team made up of of um, people from every imaginable party background and affiliation. Uh, you know, it was every color of the rainbow, quite literally. And um, whether they were uh, members of the New Democratic Party or liberals or conservatives, we had them all as part of our team and we campaign on that basis and and we um and 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 i think that the team worked hard uh it's not to take anything away from uh, uh from uh then mayor court um you know he he had he would he was in the midst of very challenging times particularly on the two issues that i i, I mentioned and and um and so we campaigned hard on very clear priorities uh, mm-hmm. we set um, you know, to this day, I've got a, you know, a copy of those list of priorities. And, and we said, look, this is what we're going to fight for. This is what we're going to work for. Can't promise we're going to get these things done, but if elected, we are going to get the following things done. And, uh, with a, with a focus on the, the finances, with a focus on a more livable community, uh, and, and, um, a focus on, um, making sure that we, whether it was the drinking water system or the sidewalks and the roads, we had a city that people could be proud of. So that, um, that pride of place again. Um, and it was, you know, just a tremendous honor, obviously, uh, it should go, hopefully it goes without saying a tremendous honor to, uh, to be elected to, um, to represent the, the people of St. John. Uh, you were mayor for the one term from 2012 to 2016. Can you talk about your time as mayor of St. John? Yes, it is. Um, it is. It's interesting as as, um, as I think back, and and uh, you know, hindsight is is I suppose useful. It's been a, it's been a few years, and um, I had sat on council for a couple of years before um, being given the privilege of serving as mayor, and of course, you don't really have an eye. A bird's eye view into what the mayor is dealing with on a day-to-day basis as a councillor, but I think perhaps that the the most revealing or or perhaps most impactful thing that happened is realize that we could get very big things done very quickly when we had a clear direction from the council, and and so. The way, and this this will many of your listeners will know that certainly you'll know this, Logan. At the municipal level, especially, the city staff is driven by clear direction from its council, mm-hmm. and almost craves that to in some ways. If if council is fractured and isn't clear on the direction, then the city staff, the bureaucracy, will maintain the status quo, and they will do it in a very good way, but progress on the things that are important to average citizens won't necessarily improve or change. And so we, we had a very cohesive council. 
Um, and that council gelled around um, setting uh, a whole set of priorities. And gratefully, they, they were willing to incorporate many of the priorities that, that I ran on and that other members of council ran on. And, and then we just started knocking them off one by one. And we started with, we started with the pension problem. And, and we worked with the, uh, at that time, Premier Higgs was the finance minister. So we mm-hmm. worked with, um, we worked with the premier at the time, David Allward, very closely and uh, with Premier Allward and and his his um, his staff to bring bring about pension reform within within the first eight months or so of our mandate, and then we set about dealing with the drinking water system, and we set about dealing with the roads, the budget for repairing roads, and then we started focusing on recreation, and we just kept kept one after another. Mm-hmm. Um, knocking off one thing at a time and and it's a credit to the council for taking that approach from my perspective um once and 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 then the council would be clear on its direction and then the city staff it was you'll appreciate this as a as a a fellow from charlotte county um you know you see those massive ships coming through the uh through the bay of fundy Mm -hmm. and the city staff are kind of like that massive ship if you give them a little bit of direction they will plow through whatever obstacle is in their way to get it done. It is incredible. So, you know, uh, the P3 project for our drinking water system, it was and still remains the largest infrastructure project of any municipality in provincial history. And that's all as a result of the work of the city staff getting that done. We gave them the direction we want to get it done, and they did it. It was it's magical in, in some ways. And it's... it's um. It, it it always struck me that that a um, that a well led um, civil service, um, at, and I think probably at whatever level of government it is, uh, and it's probably easier at a municipal municipal level because it's a smaller smaller group of civil servants. But when they know clearly what the leadership wants, what the elected representatives want, who are voicing what the people want, they will get it done. And and um, it was it was quite a it was quite um it was quite wonderful just to watch that process unfold yeah you mentioned massive shifts which is a great segue into one of my questions which is about the porch mm. I, I i live in st john most of the week because i go to university and just watching the progress in at the port over the past couple of years has been i find it fascinating what do you think about the exponential growth happening at the porch? Yeah. Oh, it, I mean, it, 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 it does warm, uh, it warms the heart <laughs> as a, as a, a maritime, a maritime boy. Um, you know, just before we started the, the discussion, I mentioned, you know, originally my roots are uh, from Grand Manan Island. So I, from the youngest age, I can remember being on these ferries going back and forth to the mainland and, <laughs> And uh, to this day, I mean, my office uh, is in a in a building called the Harbor Building on Prince William Street, which is bordered between Prince William and Water Street. And my window looks out onto the harbor. And I think back to when I first started working in this building, you know, more than 20 years ago and what the waterfront looked like then and what it looks like now. And I recall, you know, um, in in representing um, when I was representing Ward 3, which 
I did as a counselor. My my ward represent was comprised of effectively the south end and the lower west side. So the area that is in, that encompasses the port. Mm-hmm. And we always talked about a working port. That was a message that was always vital to drive home because so much economic opportunity. And now it is just incredible. I mean, to, to look across and see all the new, um, all the new long, the long shore that's been created over the last couple of years to see these two new massive post Panama uh, gantry cranes that have been erected and are, are looking ready to start working any moment. Um, the investment by the province on the training simulator to allow people to operate this, the number of containers on the waterfront. And then behind the scenes, the CN rail lines that have been added to, to the city um, now connected all the way down to Mexico as a result of, of CN's progress. Um, the, um, the, uh, massive logistics hub that um, JDI has created uh, over on the west side. So this this system that takes the the um, I guess is effectively these giant sea containers that come off the ships and puts them onto uh, from trucks to trains and vice versa to get them all over uh, Canada and North mm-hmm. America. I mean, you can get anything anywhere um, from the port of Saint John and. I mean, what a wonderful thing. And then on the other side of the port, the sort of the inner, the, the uptown area, um, you know, since I've been here watching this progress over the last couple of decades, two, you know, beautiful cruise ship terminals, um, hundreds of thousands of people a year coming to these lovely cruise ship terminals, uh, the creation of Harbor Passage, which gives people sort of front row access to the waterfront. Uh, now with the addition of, of Fort Latour, allowing you to do this historical experience of, of what the French settlement looked like. Um, and then coupled with that, and this predates my political involvement, but Harbor Cleanup, which had been initiated under Norm McFarland's uh, term as mayor, that was completed under my watch. And so now the water's clean. There's this new boat launch ramp that you can actually access the uh, the water with a private or or um or public watercraft mm-hmm. um the the fact that you can get up close and, and personal now with the port and not be a, on the, the waterways and not be afraid of what's in it um all of it speaks to just tremendous progress and and that's you know we're really really fortunate to um it, it's something that that no other community in the province um, can can provide in terms of service, and it benefits the entire province. Uh, every manufacturer, uh, every tourist destination can benefit from from what's what's happening here in St. John. The only thing I have to add, it's kind of a correction. Uh, you said CN. It's it's actually CN does come into St. John. But it's CP who is the new CP. Right. I, right. I, I get yeah. confused too. It's yes. they, they sound the same. They. I'm sure CP wouldn't be impressed that I've confused them with CP. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, it's CP. Um, so you ran as the federal conservative candidate in 2021 at St. John Rossi. Can you talk about running as a federal candidate for office? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the um, I think the the Probably 
part of, and I'll, I'll just be very, um, I'll, I'll be transparent about sort of my, my, you know, my, um, my thought process on offering for, for public service. I've thought for a very long time, Logan, that the, that the, um, the way in which to affect the most good for the most number of people in the shortest period of time is through public service. I, I continue to think that. Um, I think that public servants in elected and, and unelected roles, they deliver um, so much good and so much benefit for people. And, and I, I, I had an opportunity to, um, to potentially re-enter public life and, and attempt to provide a lot of good and, and deliver service and value to the people of, of my, my community. And, um, and so in, um, in, in roughly a year before that election, um, the nomination process opened up because uh, Rodney Weston decided not to reoffer. Mm-hmm. And thinking about the possibility of of being able to deliver, you know, um, service to to this community and and deliver hopefully um, progress. Um, after first discussing it with my my wife and making sure Stephanie was on board. And then discussing it with my partners and coworkers here at my law firm, um, I went through a nomination process, and, and it was a, a very competitive nomination process, and uh, was selected by the the riding membership. And your listeners, because they're probably most of them are political aficionados, will understand that candidates are selected um, by the then members of the. Uh, particular political party. And so we reached out to, you know, the rank and file grassroots members of the, um, the St. John Rossi uh, conservative riding and uh, association and, and was very, um, very grateful for their support in that nomination. And, um, and then um, we didn't know when that election was going to be. That was probably one of the more difficult things. Uh, the nomination was completed in roughly December um, of, um, the year earlier, the, the election, you know, wasn't, wasn't for, uh, roughly nine months, uh, after that. And so, and we didn't know, we didn't know when, when, um, the prime minister was going to call the election. We, so we had, but we had to make the assumption that it would, um, would be called at some point in the coming year. So we spent, um, almost every day after the nomination working in some way on preparing for that election. So, um, the nomination itself took, um, took about two to three months. And then we were really into, um, to roughly nine months of campaigning when you, when you include the writ period. And so it was in total about a year's worth of, of work to, um, and, and, and not just work on my part by any extent. Uh, we had a wonderful team. Uh, we had, you know, a ton of volunteers and ton of supporters, uh, you know, working throughout both the nomination process and, uh, and in getting things ready for, uh, for, for, for the election itself, whenever it was going to be. And, um, and, and our, our focus was as, 
as would be consistent with my own preference was a positive um, type of campaign, uh, a campaign that that focused on the opportunities and focused on the opportunity for progress and and uh, and to move move the region forward. Um, but that also involved obviously taking time to get to know the riding again because I'd been out of public office for for a few years, and so meeting with stakeholders, uh, meeting with whether it was municipal folks or uh, people in the nonprofit sector, uh, meeting with recreation advocates, uh, meeting with the heads of, of uh, major economic drivers uh, like the port, um, making sure that I had a sense of, okay, what is, what are the opportunities? What are the, what are some of the solutions to some of the challenges? And then trying to offer those um, in service uh, to the community again. Um, uh, the Federal uh, Electoral Boundaries Commission has released their final report, and it's splitting St. John right right down the middle, right down the harbor, with <laughs> West St. John becoming part of, uh, I think it's going to be called St. Croix St. John, which I think is a stupid name, but that's just me. <laughs> and the other side of St. John becoming part of St. John Canvacasis. Wayne Long announced he's not running in either of those. Do you have any plans to run in St. John Canvacasis or St. Croix St. John? I, I don't have any plans. Um, my uh, my understanding is is that um, the, that of course John Williamson would would be the um, conservative candidate for St. Croix St. John, and I tend to agree with you. I don't really like the name, that, but I, I can't get I can't get on board with uh, the name. <laughs> um, and then, uh, uh, so, so that would, that would leave open the, um, the, the riding sort of, uh, to, um, on, on this side of the reversing falls on the east side of the reversing falls. Um, I, I don't, I don't have any, any plans. Um, the, um, I, I, I should say that that's not because I don't want to, provide service to my community and, and do what I can to um, help St. John move forward. I'm, you know, very willing to lift, uh, lift my share of the load on that. And, and to, and I, my, my plan is to obviously volunteer and be, uh, be in the, um, in the so-called political trenches, um, you know, happy to, happy to volunteer in any, any capacity that, that, um, that the campaign would, would want me to be involved um, you know, I've had the very good fortune, um, of, of, of being a candidate. And that is, that is a rare privilege and a rare honor. And, um, and, um, I'm sincerely grateful for it. Um, the, um, my, my hope is that, that, um, that I'd have a chance to at least contribute in a, in a voluntary capacity and, and, uh, and work, uh, work on the campaign in some way. And, Happy to do, uh, if, if they need me to make the Tim Hortons coffee runs, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> you know, our stuff envelopes. Uh, <laughs> there's, uh, as, as, uh, as, as you would know, uh, campaigns are driven by all kinds of volunteer hours. And there's yeah. all this minutia that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, there's, there's going to be a person in his garage cutting wood to stick signs on. I can cut wood. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, in the 
the last federal election, I I did I did volunteer with with John Williamson, and I didn't realize how like volunteer intensive running a political campaign was. We were right. we were ans- we were answering phones, we were calling people, we were right. running around, we would knock doors. We were we were in hand well knocking doors on a random Saturday morning. Right, right, and and it's and that is that's what that's uh I mean for political enthusiasts and I like to include myself in that I've always been interested in political you know policy and public policy um, as far back as I can can recall I I recall as a teenager sticking political cartoons out of from that at the time we had newspapers Logan we had real newspapers <laughs> that would show up daily. <laughs> And there and there were like these beautiful political cartoons, and I would cut out the political cartoons, and then I would, probably much to my parents' chagrin, stick them like glue them onto my bedroom wall, and over time it grew into this gigantic mural of political cartoons. And but that's just something I've always always been interested in, and then obviously having the chance to to uh, to really uh, scratch uh, uh, the the public service. Um, uh, desire was is, has been a privilege of a lifetime. Uh, so I want to stay involved, and whether it's to your point, knocking on doors at Hanwell on a Saturday morning, <laughs> or you know, making the uh, you know making the latest round of calls to potential supporters, happy to do that. Yeah, and that's 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 probably the most uh, most fun one can have without uh, paying for it in my in my mind. Um, the past I'm going to say probably the past. Uh, probably six, seven years, St. John has been on the upswing. A lot of new people moving in, a lot of developments. Is there any particular project that catches your eye? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the things that catch my eye are, are those things that, that um, improve quality of life the most. And so if, if, and this is, you know, my perspective, so I'm sure others would have different perspectives, but, but, but as I've experienced it, folks, you know, yes, they need a job. So employment opportunities are always going to be critical. But employment opportunities aside, the next most important thing in my experience is what are those things that add to quality of life? And there are a whole host of them and everybody has a kind of a different, a different, um, a different perspective on what adds quality to their life. So I'll, I'll give you, this is my example from, from my, my experience. I recall one of the things that kept me in St. John was the fact that there was a theater company that I could volunteer with the St. John theater company. And it was a, it's a cultural institute institution. It provided a cultural expression opportunity and I got to volunteer with it. And it was one of the things that really kept me glued to St. John. Well, whether it's a St. John Theatre Company or the venue for those types of arts organizations or a recreation facility. So I think of, uh, I mentioned Harbor Passage already, but more so even the squares in St. John, like Queen Square and King Square, or a recreation facility like the Fieldhouse. Um, those kind of, of assets that keep people here and keep them engaged and give them outlets um, that's why things I think like the, you know, the new YMCA in the, in the old North end or, you know, maintaining and ensuring the longevity of the Canada games aquatic center or the Canada Games stadium. Um, 
that's why those things in my mind are so vital or doing things, you know, in my own neighborhood, like Tin Can Beach. It's not a big, massive thing, but it all of a sudden gives you access to some water that you didn't have access to before. Um, those recreation quality of life things from the arts organizations through to the sports organizations, those are the things that I look at and I think, yeah, you know what? St. John has really made a lot of progress on that. Is there more to do? For sure, for sure. Um, but has it made, you know, a tremendous progress? As have the outlying communities. I think of, um, you know, Rossi, one of the things that they've got on on their plans is is kind of a an, an active transportation corridor uh, to connect um, the two parts of Rossi that are sort of right now divided by by the Mackay Highway. So those are those are the things I think that 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 jump out to me. And and you know we're really we're really fortunate. We've inherited things like Rockwood Park, and and uh, we've had uh, businesses, you know, for example, the Irving Nature Park, deliver these really gifts to, to the, to the population. And, but the more that we can do of that, the more that we can enhance people's lives, things that they don't have to, you don't have to, to get on an air, airplane or you don't have to spend much money to go and enjoy a day at Rockwood park. Um, the more we can do of those kind of things, that's the stuff that, that, that really, um, that really makes me excited about the future of the city and seeing, um, decision makers focus on those those types of assets i look around my own neighborhood and it's been transformed in that way and and small things like uh, on my own street of princess street last year the city i guess two years ago the city invested in redoing the sidewalks and adding grass medians and adding trees well that changes it from kind of an asphalt jungle to all of a sudden it's a really pleasant experience when you walk out your front door and there's, there's, there's grass and there's trees continuing to add quality of life elements uh, to our community is I think the, the thing that excites me the most. I see zoom is currently give me a, a countdown timer because it has, I think Zoom has a 40 minute cap on meeting. So uh, <laughs> all right, my, I do have one final question. In 2016, you ran for the leadership of the NB uh, Progressive Conservatives against a number of candidates, including now Premier Blaine Higgs. What was it like running for leader of a political party? Oh my gosh! Well, so the the, the best thing about that experience um, was getting to know New Brunswick and getting to know New Brunswickers. And Logan, we're really lucky because we're in this part of the province, but the in that process, we got to go to every corner of New Brunswick, north, mm-hmm. south, east, west, English, French parts, rural, urban. This is an incredible province. And, and um, so my, my personal takeaway from it was how blessed we are to be in New Brunswick. There is no one in this province that should discount for a moment how lucky they are to be here. Um, for those of us that have been born and raised here, we we truly have won the lottery. This is, and, and I would say, get out. If you haven't gotten out during the pandemic, experience New Brunswick, do it. Because, and go to a part of the province that you never thought you would ever visit. Like drive, a, drive four hours away from your current location and you're going to find a part of the province that you fall in love with. Um, that and and then, as, as a result of that leadership process, you're meeting um, delegates from every corner of the province, and they all share the same thing, which is 
They want to have a great place for their family. They want to have great health care. They want to have great education. They want to have, you know, great outdoor parks. But they want to build New Brunswick to be the envy of, of Canada, frankly. And it's kind of cool right now to, to see, you know, the population is growing. The economy is growing in the province, you know, and, and that is that that's something I think as native born New Brunswickers, we can tend to take take for granted a little bit. But um, but it was brought home in in Technicolor for me when I was uh, was running in uh, in 2016 for the uh, for the PC PC leadership. Yeah. And population growth. It's not just the cities. Yeah. Fireton, Moncton and St. John are going really fast. But even here. Rural Shadow County, there's a lot more people here than there were five, ten years ago. People from Ontario, yeah. people moving in from countries like the Philippines because we have jobs and we have cheap housing. It's yeah, probably I, the most beautiful place in the world on the Bay of Funday. Absolutely. Some of uh, some of my dear clients are new immigrants from England and they live in Charlotte County. And they love it because they can buy a big house with wide open spaces next to the ocean you can't do that in most places that's just that's just a that's a dream in new brunswick it's reality well mel that's all the questions i have is there anything you want to say to the people listening i i want to just uh, say thank you logan to you and to uh, to everyone at, at umb um in especially in the political science society for for uh, for doing this for um, taking time to talk to uh, other New Brunswickers, to talk to um, people involved in public life, and to uh, spread the good word about how important that is to um, to to our society as a whole. We we are really really fortunate as we look around the world today to live in a, a free and democratic society mm -hmm. that has strong political institutions. And what you're doing is supporting that. So uh, so thank you. <laughs> thank you for the compliment. That really. I mean, that made me feel good about, all, about every, all these interviews I've done over the past, I don't even know how many months now. A few. It's meant to. Well, Mel, uh, thank you for taking time to do this interview. My, my pleasure, Logan. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thank you for listening to The Manifesto. I'm your host, Logan. Today, my guest was Mel Norn, former mayor of St. John. Thank you for listening. <laughs>